2: We pretty much laid it right out at the very beginning because the beginning of the relationship was is trust and honesty. If we can't have that, we had a handshake at our second time out. Said if we can't have that, nice knowing you, see ya. Gil Stewart
1: and his wife Brenda were on our broadcast last time sharing about the special challenges that step families face. We'll continue the discussion on today's episode of Focus on the Family with your host Focus President and author Jim Daly and I'm John Fuller. Uh,
0: John, last time we talked to our guests and they pointed out something that is so true, how quick we are to judge other people. And that's particularly within the church, if they are divorced and remarried. You talk to any of those couples, they feel it. Mm. And we often don't know the story. We don't know if there was infidelity involved or if their spouse passed away and they remarried. But they're trying to recover from whatever it was and find the Lord in that place. If you didn't hear the broadcast last time, you can find that on our website at focusonthefamily.ca. We'll continue the discussion today with our guests, Gil and Brenda Stewart, who have been married for 20 years. It's a second marriage for both of them. this time, we'll hear from them about loving the children in a blended family. Remarriage can be hard on the kids, and I was a child in a blended family, so I know. And Gil and Brenda have some great insights into
1: creating connections and working through those difficult transitions. Well, together, Gil and Brenda have seven children. They have 10 grandchildren. Uh, Gil has his master's degree in counseling. Brenda has a life coaching certification. They've been active for years helping remarried couples and families. And we recorded this a while back. We're going to pick up the conversation with some important insights about processing divorce. Here now, Jim Daly with Gil and Brenda Stewart on Focus on the Family.
0: Um, that was very traumatic, and you shared very openly about the pain of that and the sorrow of that. And Brenda, to bring you in right here, uh, you mentioned something about the sense of guilt, that the sanctity of marriage is so close, and it just express that to us.
3: Yeah, I think, as I previously stated, just being around friends at, friends of ours now, that had been married for 30, 40 years, and knowing that if I was still my first marriage, I would be at that point. And I I grieve the loss of that last marriage, not in the sense that I miss my ex-husband, because we're different people now, but I'm grieving the loss of that, ins- I hate to say institution, I'm not sure what to call, the sanctity of marriage that God ordained that it should be one person the rest of your life because he does not like divorce mainly because of the pain it brings. He knows that yeah. that's not best for us. So I think at many levels, Gil and I do grieve that loss because every time we have a a new grandbaby, every graduation, every wedding, any kind of communication, celebration with our kids, with our family now brings up, it's almost like the divorce was this deep wound that's now is kind of scarred over. And yeah. it doesn't hurt as much, but it's still there. And every family event, it's just brushed.
0: You know, uh, last time we talked about it not being the Brady Bunch. You know, <laughs> all of yeah. us that are in our early 50s or late 40s <laughs>
1: remember the Brady Bunch. We should um, probably say, for those who don't know, it was about <laughs> two families coming together. and With three uh, kids on each side. Had a pretty humorous twist to it all.
0: The point of that is, there's a lot of pain in blended marriages. And you're trying to make the marriage healthy, and you've got all these um, hidden wounds, some visible wounds that come out in different ways. And you mentioned those triggers last time and how Brenda would trigger you, Gil, and Gil, you would trigger Brenda. But now I want to turn it to the kids because the kids, and as I mentioned, I was one. I was a nine-year-old stepchild. You have a whole other element with the children there, and you're trying to work things out, be on the same page, be in love, have these feelings of regret, remorse, guilt, all those things that you're alluding to, Brenda. And yet now we've got these other kids. In your case, you had seven kids you were dealing with. Talk about that mix and all the emotions of it.
2: And how do you even start to get through it? Seven children we lovingly refer to as those people. <laughs> those people. When are those people leaving? What
3: are those people doing? When are they coming
2: back? Those people. I mean, it's, we love them all. At that time, at just that for time. the new listeners, what were their ages? At uh, when we first married, the oldest was 22, the youngest was 11. Okay. You know, the one thing, too, about the Brady Bunch that you mentioned, if you go back and look at the episodes, they had no exes. Yeah, they that's had true. no memory of someone they never who passed away. It. They never talked about yeah. it. They just glossed over it. Yeah. However, there are those issues, those phantoms, those things that are connected to, for the sake of the children. They still have memories, and I think that's the place. As step parents, we have to be super sensitive and give them a place to grieve as well as to enjoy their parents if they're still living. H- how did you try to bring the family together?
3: Mm.
2: Forced, think- family <laughs> forced family Triple fun. Forced family fun. Triple
3: F nights. Forced family fun, especially <laughs> with teenagers. Go? Well, it's rough. But you guys have to be, as the marriage, you have to be on the same page. Get behind your wall to protect you, and you're going to go for it and do an activity. I think one thing we did one time was bowling, and oh, everyone's was hilarious. like, oh, I don't so want to do it. all nine of you.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah. And girlfriends. Course. and It's wh- a lot of shoe uh, yeah, rentals. Yeah. yeah.
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And and a lot you know, of eye ruling from teenagers oh, too. Oh yeah, but you know
3: what? We give them enough notice because they have, you know, they're busy doing their life. Okay, a week from Saturday, put it on your calendar. We're going to do this, and you know, we laugh about it now. Forced family fun. Even a couple of Christmases ago, somebody said, "Yeah, this is a triple F night." And they're adults now. <laughs>
2: yeah, we were pushing cars out of the snowy road, but I think one of my favorite moments of bonding was camping. Okay. Especially in the Northwest. I love because that. Because it rains there. And at the time, the kids were all of various ages. And
3: we were just like within the first year or two. Right.
2: And so we went camping. And in our family tradition, it was you put a tarp over the, the campsite. My stepson said, Why in the world are we doing this? <laughs> well, at about two o'clock in the morning when it started raining, then they understood <laughs> because their campsite was under. Cover and so we didn't have them all pile into the tent trailer. But you know, it's interesting. One of the best things you can do to create bonding for teenagers and kids is to create a, what I would call a faux crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, have something break that you really know isn't broken so that everybody will pull together. That was helpful.
3: Flooding is good. Flooding, flooding is good. Is helpful. Yeah, yeah. House, flooding. Yeah, yeah I've never house. seen
2: flooding as a good thing.
3: <laughs> we were having dinner one night over the dining room table. The fixture. Water was coming down from the ceiling. The <laughs> Toilet had
2: malfunctioned, <laughs> and yeah. it was leaking through the yes, ceiling. Yes, oh my god! Everybody
0: joined in. I mean, it was it, great. Yeah, it was great. It was so a mess, it, but it was great. So when you look back on it, was that
2: sufficient those times, or did you struggle? Well, there was struggle, mm-hmm. struggle. But it was those little intimate moments that they all looked back on. There was still territorialism between my kids coming and going, and you know, because when we first got married, we I moved into to Brenda's space. You know, that was pretty tough. And they didn't come to the wedding? Mine did not, no.
0: How did that make you feel? Let me ask Brenda. Brenda, how did that make you feel?
3: I felt terrible for Gil. Just devastated because my guys were there realizing that all the kids at a certain level were in pain because even though this is new for us, we found love again it's another loss for them because they realize now that their bio parents will never get back together.
0: It's a final edict.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of remarried couples gloss over that and they don't realize the impact. They're happy, so then everyone else should be happy, that they don't realize the impact on their kids to be sensitive Mm -hmm. to where they're at. Um, I mean, early on, we had uh, meetings with each of the kids. We'd pull them into our bedroom, close the door, all sit on the floor so we're all level, you know, and just... Basically, say, Hey, we just want to check in. How's your heart? This is a safe place to talk. Anything that's said here stays here. We need to speak respectful to each other. But how's it going? And just give them a place to share and say, You know what? I'm not happy. I miss my old family. And for us as the adults, can say, You know what? I miss my old family too. But look at the great adventure that's ahead. And just give them a place to show them respect, to hear their heart. How
0: did that come about with your kids, Gil? I mean, if they didn't come to the wedding, how old were they at that point, your
2: kids? Uh, The youngest was 10, almost 11. The oldest was um, 21, 22. Um, You know, when you ask that question, um, that still hurts. I could see that. I mean, I saw it in your face. Second. (laughs) Um, How does it hurt? The remorse of the first marriage's demise, what was supposed to be, I think, you know, the the ideal was gone. It It wasn't coming back. And for me to step into a new relationship that was a marriage was the end of everything that they had hoped for, you know, because those kids still want you to get back together again. And so... For them not to show up to feel unsupported in a lot of ways, I wasn't abandoning them, but I think that they felt that I was. Mm -hmm. What's the beautiful part about the thing as time has gone by is, is that one by one as they've seen the love that Brenda and I have for one another and that we didn't just you know, shut them out because they didn't come. But little by little, they've one at a time come back and said, we're really sorry, Dad. We should have been there. It was a big day for you.
0: Gil, let me ask this question because um, there can be a lot of different configurations to this. Oh. But parents in that spot, there's a lot of different ways to handle it. It sounds like you allowed them to opt out. I don't know what kind of discussion you had with them, if it was argumentative or if you accepted it and left it lie so that you could see down the road 13 years later, and you've been married 13 years, so that they could come back around to you and say, you know, Dad, we're sorry. Yeah. What do you do in that moment 13 years ago to make sure you get the right outcome 13 years later?
2: (laughs) A lot of prayer for wisdom. Daily, I think the thing was lots of grace. I had a decision to make, and that was this is going to be a marriage that's going to be based upon me loving Brenda and loving God. But for to love my children and to force them, I mean, I, I've we've talked to a lot of couples around the country who they forced their kids to come to that wedding whether they wanted to or not, and it has backfired on them. So I think the God-given wisdom in that moment was, is even with my two youngest, they were really close to coming to the wedding, but at the last minute, they opted out, and I knew that there were things going on behind the background that I had no control over. So it was like best to just say, "Okay, I'm not going to force it, you know, and I'm not going to, you know, push you into something that you don't want to. But just know, even though you're not here, I know you still love me, and I still love you." And that's where we're going to leave it.
0: Let me ask you this question, both of you. I mean, in that moment, your human emotions can be so on fire. You're upset. You're disrespecting my future wife, Brenda. You can let your flesh take over. I need some advice from you both about how to tap into God's character in that moment Mm -hmm. so you don't blow it and regret it for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you really settle your heart down and get aligned with the Lord and say, okay, Lord, this really hurts. Um, how do you find the reserve spiritually to be calm in
2: that moment? I'm astounded with that question because simply it was the Spirit of God just said, I've got you. I've so got them. In him. I've got them. I think the thing that really came out of my heart at that point in time was realizing that I had dedicated them to Christ when they were babies and that they would be seen through no matter what if I trusted Christ in them.
1: This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment.
3: Join your friends from Odyssey on the greatest journey ever taken. Follow me! Through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with the new, full-color Adventures in Odyssey Bible. You'll read about exciting battles.
1: The time of our oppression by these barbarians
2: has ended. A talking donkey. Haven't you ridden me all your life? And even a dragon.
3: (coughs) You'll be studying alongside your friends from Odyssey. It's the Adventures in Odyssey Bible from Focus on the Family. Learn more at AIObible.ca Make your strong marriage even stronger with Focus on the Family Canada's new marriage enrichment conferences and retreats. Based on the proven, biblically-based principles that come directly out of the Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Counseling Program, these principles provide couples with practical tools to create a more vibrant, intimate, and loving marriage. For registration details, call 1-833-TO-ENRICH or visit enrichyourmarriage.ca That's 1-833-TO-ENRICH or visit enrichyourmarriage.ca
1: What do mums love about Focus on the Family's Clubhouse magazine?
3: I love watching her have so much fun and I know that every page is pointing her to the Lord. I love that my son teaches me about Jesus from what he learned in Clubhouse magazine. I love watching them get all excited when they run to the mailbox each month.
1: To order your magazine subscription to Clubhouse or Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Well, we're hearing about the uh, messy realities of remarriage and how a step family comes together. And uh, what an interesting Focus on the Family broadcast with... Gil and Brenda Stewart as our guests. And as you two are sharing so vulnerably, I'm thinking, so what did you expect going in? I mean, did you have any clue it was going to be this difficult as as your wedding approached, as you started off the new relationship?
3: I think we tried to... Intentionally invest and do as much homework as we could. And we actually had to get on a plane and fly to Arizona to hear a, a step family seminar by Ron Deal because there is just nothing, nothing out there. So we felt like we had, we had a pretty good handle on it, but. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. Oh, we, my goodness. We, there were There's things always- that blindsided us, the territorialism, the the nature of, you know, the circumstances of what the kids brought with them when they came from their, you know, their other biological parents back to us. I mean, just the cool down sessions for them, the cool down sessions for us, the callous that I grew on the bottom of my lip from biting my lip so I wouldn't say the wrong thing. I mean, there were uh, there was a lot of. Really angst of, well, how I've, is this going to happen? And, and and it really was tough.
3: And we felt that even though we had kind of done our homework. And when we do seminars now, one of the first questions we ask is, you know, raise your hand. How many of you did your – pre? how many of you had premarital? And hardly anybody raises their hand. And it's like – Because the second married, or third time around, Yeah, it's right? like, well, we've been married before. We know how this goes. Well, how's that working for you? <laughs> yeah, you can never – get enough information, because this is a whole new marriage here. And if we're having challenges, if I'm having challenges in this new relationship, it's because I'm the common denominator. So what's in me that needs to adjust?
0: Let me bring us back to the kids again, because I think it's so important for those that are in this situation, they've remarried, uh, to get practical with the children and what's happening. You mentioned one thing, Brenda, about bringing the kids into the bedroom. Was it one at a time mm-hmm. and just talking with them? What are some other things that help uh, let some of the pressure out? And Gil, you know, your kids were the older kids, so they were more cognitive of what was going on. Maybe they even had greater, um, I don't know, disappointments in some ways. What did you do to really help them, and how are they doing today? Where's your
2: relationship at with them today? Well, at the time, uh, the two oldest ones in the seven of those people were mine, and they really didn't want to engage they just, like, really standoffish. Yeah. So the best thing we could do was have a strong marriage because they were watching us. So you think they were saying, prove it to me? Yes, yeah. absolutely. You, you've already blown it oh, once. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, absolutely. We're watching you, Dad. Yeah. And, the, you know, that kind of trickled down to the rest of the children as well. But I think the thing that, you know, Brenda mentioned having the children in one at a time to talk to them, the one piece of advice I would give to the listening audience is be sure you bring in the informant child first. <laughs> Because if you bring in the tight-lipped kid first, you don't know what's going on amongst the ranks. <laughs> so but, is that know, called wisdom no, or can yeah, I think? No, yeah. no, that's just uh, experience. <laughs> okay, good. So <laughs> bring, bring in the bring in the informant Bring the first. record keeper. Yeah, bring, yeah, yeah. So another thing that we did, and I think it really set the stage because we were dealing with the issues of safety. Well what about the children between the two of you yeah. yeah I mean literally in the marriage we're dealing with the issues of safety and rebuilding trust et cetera et cetera because they the children are too so seeing and observing the uh, the territorialism that was there now what does know, that look like you've referred to that a couple of times well, territorialism it depends upon which house you settle in, because sometimes uh, you know if I own the house and Brenda moves into my place and the, and the kids are familiar with that place, then if those biological children are familiar with that that's their home base In my case, I moved into Brenda's home, and my kids were coming and going into an area that were their step siblings' home base.
0: So, the kids, by nature, your kids coming in feel like guests for a period of time. Oh, yeah.
3: That's why, ideally, if you can arrange it to to start fresh and buy a new home, new, you know, but you can't always do that financially. It's practical. So, we were able to make sure that each kid that was with us had their own room. So oh, that as was as really could. important. As if you can do could. that. Now, it's not always feasible, but even if the kids have to share rooms, that they have their own special place within that room that is theirs and it's there, you know, it's protected.
2: One of the things that we did do early on and continued to, really strive for was to build safety for the kids. And so in essence, when we really pointed out one Saturday morning, Brenda was gone and I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this with these teenagers. I was like, Oh, I do not And when I got into it, I was looking at these kids like, Oh boy, what have I got myself into? <laughs> but literally I said, and I identified who the players were. I mean, this is obvious to my stepsons. I'm not your father, but I am your mother's husband. And to my children, I said, no, Brenda is not your mom, but she is my wife. And when you come to this home, when you walk through that door, this is to be a safe zone. And that got tested. Oh, I'm sure. All the time. All the time. Yeah. And so here we are now, 13 and a half years later, and now the oldest is 36. The youngest is almost 26. And they, when they're all together, they're respectful of one another. You can still see the family units. It's right. still there. But when they're together, there is truly a respect and a love for one another and a respect and love for us as their parents and or step-parent. That is the point of rebuilding legacy because nobody wants a divorce, but if you go through it, then what? Yeah. You have to get back to being busy about rebuilding what God has given you to be- rebuild with the family. And your material, unfortunately, it's kind of the, the angst of the building of the book was, what we're being handed to rebuild our family with is broken and charred and busted and cracked, but God can use that too. He can redeem anything if you let Him. Yeah, you know, looking back on it, and again
0: we touched on this last time, but um, in your both of your cases, it was out of your control. It, it, it was your spouses that that really made the decision to leave the marriage. But people who are in their first marriages can glean a lot from what we've talked about. Um, if you were counseling that first married couple and they're struggling and you could talk about the pain of divorce and what it has cost you emotionally, mm-hmm. certainly the benefit of finding each other and rebuilding is there. But what, what would you say to that couple that's married for the first time there at year maybe number 10 or maybe number 20? They've been married 20 years, but there's no more spark. Mm. I think I can find something better out there. You're not
2: my one and only. I thought you were, but you're not that person. What would you say to them? What was it that drew you together? What were the bonds? What were the attachments? Go back and repair those things. It may be difficult. You may have to dig out the grout, so to say, that's become moldy and crusty, and that's done through acts of forgiveness. And that is what really I would say. Let alone when we do sit with couples like that, because we do. I typically back up and get out of the way so Brenda can hit him with a pink two by four. Uh, <laughs> she's pretty pretty too much at it. So I'm going to kind of just let you jump in here a little bit because you you say some pretty strong stuff.
3: Well, because this is a hill I die on. Yeah, that's it. I just. This is ridiculous. We're adults. Sometimes you you need to put your big boy pants on and put your big girl pants on. And when you have kids, it's not just about you. It's about your legacy. And there are so many resources. I mean, look at the resources that Focus on the Family have that you could, Mm -hmm. hundreds of years you could be going through things of resources. So, you know, one thing that people don't realize is that 17 to 25 years of marriage, I call, is the hotbed that the majority of divorces happen. You're usually hitting your forties. The kids are teenagers, so they're sucking your brains out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good description.
3: <laughs> totally. And there's a you know you're reevaluating your life. Is this all there is? And isn't that just? It's a brilliant ploy of the enemy to take you out. Yeah. It's brilliant because your defenses are down, and if the enemy can take out one more marriage or family. Yeah, um, right. Then he's one. So, what do you need to do during that time? Is you've got to um, be able to reinvest in each other. You know, ladies, if I had ladies here, I'd say, How are you being your husband's girlfriend?
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. Really?
3: That could be you, a convicting
0: question both ways.
3: Yeah. If you don't know, ask your husband, What would a girl? And the biggest question that I would ask anyone is, Would you come home to you? Yeah. Ooh, that's getting in the deep end. But sometimes we have to Mm self-reflect and say, you know what? It's just not about me. It's about he's not my partner. He's my spouse. And what what can I do?
1: What do you ask or tell the guys?
3: I would love to do a men's retreat sometime.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sergeant Brenda.
0: Not
3: to beat up the guys, not at all, but to uplift them and say, oh, my gosh, man, you have this incredible calling that God's given you to lead your family how many of you are praying with your wives? And I'm not talking about this deep prayer. I, as a wife, when Gil and I pray, I feel protected. I feel cherished. I feel wanted. Um, and if it, even if it's just a simple, Lord, thank you for today.
2: Okay, and- I got to jump in. Guys, did you <laughs> realize that a strong prayer life equates to a strong sex life? Go find out. It's a true, it's been statistically. it well, builds intimacy. It builds intimacy. And if that is the most intimate thing you can do as a husband is to pray with your wife, she wants your heart. You want other things. <laughs> well, let's <laughs> you say get, you want your heart, yeah, their heart too. their yeah, <laughs> heart too. But, you know, I'm trying to get in a little nitty-gritty yeah, I know here. Yeah, you're being honest. <laughs> I'm being honest because the perspective is, is if you're in a tough spot, again, counseling basically states this. If you're in a tough spot, if this is for the long haul, if you can make it and invest Those even it's really like you're down in the ditches. Five years, give it five years of investing. If you're doing okay, go to a a retreat. Go go invest because when your defenses are down, that's when you can receive. When you need that extra help and that mentoring, there's mentoring out there. But uh, there's so much to be done. But But you're saying
3: the five years, yeah, that
2: five year mark is is that if you're really entering in that, that that tough spot, just think about it. If this is going to be for a lifetime, five years is nothing. Those five years may be the time that you're in the trenches, but when you come out, you've got legacy, you've got grandchildren, you've got something to pass on to the next generation.
3: And your marriage won't look like it used to because it'll be in a better place.
1: What an encouraging conversation on Focus on the Family with Gil and Brenda Stewart. Uh, They have so much experience helping blended families. Uh, Brenda and
0: Gil are so inspiring, and they do such great work helping couples and their children, which is what it's about, how to get them to a better place. It's so important to build a healthy relationship with each other for your marriage and for your children. Marriage reflects God's character, and he wants to redeem families. That's it. And if you're in a good place, help us to encourage these folks who may be struggling in a second marriage. Let's be the community of Christ together. Let's stand with them and strengthen these marriages. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to help. If you're in a marriage that's wobbling a bit, call us. You're not going to surprise us. You're not going to be embarrassed. We've heard just about everything, and it's okay. It's a safe place. Make a call and set up an appointment with one of our caring Christian counselors at
1: 1-800-THE-LETTER-A-AND-THE-WORD-FAMILY. And ask for a copy of Gil and Brenda's book, Restored and Remarried. Uh, and, and when you do, please consider a generous donation to the work of Focus on the Family Canada. Uh, your gift will help bring healing and restoration to families across Canada. So thanks for making a generous contribution when you call 800 the letter A and the word family or stop by focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family.